Welcome back to the City Rev Life podcast. I am Pastor Roby. I am here with Pastor Moochie. Um, if you joined us for the first part of this mini-series, you, I, we went on and on about how much we love Pastor Moochie. And uh, glad that he's back. Uh, we love the brook in uh, North Miami. And so glad that you're here, Moochie. So we've been talking about the idea of God's passion for life, yeah. for justice, that that is a source that leads us to all kinds of advocacy. Mm-hmm. And in the last episode, we were talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Day and his legacy, that he's actually just following in the legacy of Christ. We talked about that. I want That's to good. encourage you to go back and check on that. Um, today, we are, in this episode, talking about um, what sometimes in the, some churches celebrate a sanctity of human life weekend. And typically what's meant by that is advocating for the unborn. So it's talking about issues of abortion and protecting um, both women and children um, in that context. And so um, sometimes those issues of addressing uh, racial injustice and the issues of justice towards the unborn. Sometimes those issues are separated and there are, are, you know, certainly implications socially, systemically that are distinct of those. But what we're doing in this series is talking about how they're actually flowing from the same source yeah. and that we, as we are um, framing up our minds biblically, following Jesus and the footsteps of Jesus, uh, we will be passionate about both those issues. That's percent, man. Um, so if, from an advocacy standpoint, if we, again, if we, we use the working definition, working theory of advocacy um, as voice and visibility for the vulnerable flowing out of a heart of compassion, right? So that would be it. Um, what makes someone most vulnerable is that their essential rights um, rights that are inherent to what it means to be human. Mm. Um, so their essential rights, their experience of a quality of life are threatened. So it seems like that becomes mm-hmm. uh, a, a framework of understanding what makes somebody vulnerable, your essential rights and your capacity to experience a quality of life in view of being human and in view of the grace of God mm-hmm. are being threatened and that makes you vulnerable. Um, and so, yeah, so essentially your essential humanity is at, is attacked. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're having aspects of your essential humanity to be made in the image of God. This is how we understand mm-hmm. um, what makes us unique and different in mm-hmm. all of creation. God announces this blessing over us. So mm-hmm. let us make man in our likeness, in our image. Um, it's It's profound. And so, that is being stripped. All people who are vulnerable are having their imago day threatened and stripped. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. And so, that's imago day being being image made of God. an Im- image mm-hmm. of God. And so, that that can occur on racial lines. Mm-hmm. That could occur on economic lines. Um, that can occur on gender lines. Um, that can occur geographically, sojourner, or it could just occur in the core of being human, Mm -hmm. and then this category of people who don't have the same capacity to advocate for themselves, Mm -hmm. children. I I, I think that's really important how you're defining that in that 
Genesis 1, I mean, the beginning. It really does matter. The first, yeah, the first description of humanity is that we're made in God's image. Yeah. So that is inherently what the enemy over and over attacks. Yes. He's trying to strip us of the gift, the profound honor of being made in God's image and stripping the dignity of humanity. So when a woman is sex trafficked mm -hmm. and she's viewed as an object. Come on. That's she's being stripped, or or a man uh, that's being sex trafficked. They're being stripped of their dignity of a human. They're being turned For into an object. Sure. When a a person is stolen into slavery, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they are being stripped of their dignity as if they're a piece of property. Yep. When a um, when when an elderly person is neglected as someone who is more of a burden than an actual human being to be honored that person is being stripped of their dignity. And we can go on and on and on um, through all different uh, frameworks of, of oppression. But the same thing is at work when it comes to the, the, the devil, the enemy, the work of evil stripping people of the image of God. And so, um, and, and you were talking earlier about kind of the quartet of the, of the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. and walk us through that. Yeah, can I be spicy for a moment be based spicy, on what you sure. just said? Like... If what you articulated was a stripping of humanity, like it almost feels spicy. I like Jesus. Jesus. I like spicy Jesus. There's eyes with Jesus is spicy. So I'm gonna be spicy. Where it's like people who talk about human rights, you can't talk about human rights cohesively mm. or comprehensively independent from Christianity. Wow. I just don't think it's possible because Christianity creates the most powerful statement of what it means to be human. Now, not just the most powerful, but the truest wow. statement as well. And so it's just interesting because you went down the categories of oppression, people yeah. who are experiencing real-time oppression and need their essential rights, their essential human rights advocated for, protected and pursued. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but you can't really talk about that competently, right. cohesively or comprehensively apart from Christianity. You'll say some things, but it'll be limited at best. So that's just, that's spicy. That's as spicy as yeah. I'm getting. And and no, I think that's good. But and I think what I know you mean by that is not um, the caricature of Christianity. No, no, no. Not, not the no. cultural version no. of of Christianity. Not no, random sir. YouTuber version <laughs> of Christianity. No, sir. You're talking about biblical, Christ-centered, gospel-saturated, biblical Christianity. And I I think that's absolutely true. And so. What we're talking? Okay, let me get us back to our. Get us back on top. I'm we, sorry for the spicy detour. Let me drink, drink coffee. Uh, all right, you drink some coffee for a second. Let me get us back on track. Coffee okay, my dad. <laughs> here is here is the four categories that, that we typically talk about. Yep. Um, we talk about the uh, the orphan, yep. the widow, yep. the sojourner, and what am I forgetting? The orphan, the widow, the sojourner, and the poor. And the poor. So you have those are the four, the quartet. Mm -hmm. All of those in ways can be, when the, when they are degraded of their humanity, yep. all four of those uh, are, are oppressed in different ways historically. Yeah, facts. We're talking in this episode about specifically the orphan as a category for children. Yes, and that's chi good, that's good, bro. And children are uh, very, very pr profoundly vulnerable mm -hmm. in that they cannot advocate for themselves specifically in the conversation of the sanctity of human life, there is a space where children or an unborn child is downgraded from 
a being made in, in the image of God to an object. And I think this is where language matters. Speak to that. Yeah. Um, I think socially we wouldn't say it this strongly, but it seems to show up in many ways functionally that children are treated as subhumans. Um, and I think it does show up explicitly by looking at unborn children primarily through the lens of DNA, fetus, um, a clump of cells versus versus personhood. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, and I think it's a, it's a common expression of dehumanizing someone. Mm -hmm. And dehumanizing is something that again, I would I would I would say from a Christian perspective is something that Satan does frequently. Mm -hmm. Um and so a common expression of dehumanizing is how you talk about somebody. And so if I talk about um a person as if they're not a person, I am dehumanizing them and I'm stripping them of the things that make them beautiful and true. And Psalm one thirty nine, among other places it really creates this mm. pretty powerful starting point for life in the womb. Can I just read it? Go I think for it's it. so Psalm 139. I'm just reading 13 through 16. For you formed yeah, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Yeah, I feel like we, at least historically, I've always heard this or often heard this flowery. Like, man, this is the stuff of like Christian paraphernalia. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like t-shirts, crochet. Like, like, yeah, it's like that. This is, and it, and, it's, and it's, it's, it loses its ferocity. Like, this is... The weight here is, is profound. Like he said, there are days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Mm. Like the intentionality of God for an individual life is profound. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's it's utterly ridiculous that the supreme being, the ruler of heaven and earth, who holds all life in his hand, has the attentiveness to one individual life to form days for that person. Mm -hmm. Like it matters. And so it's it's often flowery, but I'm like, man, there's just a there's a foundational yeah. truth here, truths that I just yeah, I'm ramp. Go ahead. Yeah, man. no, I think I, I think it just clearly saying God is at work in the womb. God doesn't start being I mean, even before his work at the work, he's planned out the days. There is life inside the womb, and to what you're saying is downgrading it from being a human to a fetus or a baby to a fetus. Um, pregnancy is what's happening to a woman's body, but that's not all that's happening. There is a soul, a baby, a person in there, and it's easier to talk about terminating a pregnancy, but there is a person. Mm -hmm. There is person that God is at work. I mean, I think about, you know, when the baby in Elizabeth's body, John the Baptist, was in the presence of the baby in Mary's body, Luke, Jesus. Baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He he prophesied. He leapt in her womb. He's worshiping the presence of Jesus. I mean, 
that's significant. There are things that are happening um, in that person, and so language matters. And the idea of uh, of downgrading a human to a fetus um, is that's a that's a noted shift yeah. in attempting to downgrade um, the dignity of being made in the image of God. Yeah, it's it's a shift, and it's not a scientific one. Um, it's a social one, and I think just need to be honest with that. Um, and I think part of what I've seen as of late all the more is conversations regarding agency. Hmm. Um, and in those conversations regarding agency, you, agency isn't assigned to babies because they're not seen as babies clumps of cells mm -hmm. and that, that's why that language matters as well because if they are a person their agency does matter mm -hmm. um, and so the conversation needs to be a little bit more thoughtful in terms of um, advocacy for their agency that they might experience the fullness of life that's warranted to them by being made in the image of God and there's all sorts of other um, necessary conversations um, around that mm -hmm. but I just I don't think it's fair or helpful if that part of the conversation is neglected mm -hmm. or if it's only seen through the lens of culture war mm -hmm. and politics and not the lens of scripture and humanity right. and um, advocacy mm -hmm. that flows out of voice and visibility for the vulnerable because yeah. you have a heart of compassion. Yeah, I, and, and what we talked about in the last episode applies here as well. Jesus uh, it elevates the conversation beyond the earthly categories. And he okay. elevates it as part of, you know, he's setting up a new um, kingdom of heaven. And he's calling us to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So issues like this, this is protecting the... Um, protecting uh, an unborn child or a born child... Yeah. It, or any vulnerable person being stripped of their dignity is at is something that we talk about not because we're part of one system or the other, but um, we talk about because we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we advocate for those things. And so um, these are these are things that we uh, we all in the same way we're we are for all those we are we are for um, protecting all of those who are experiencing the stripping of their humanity or their dignity or are vulnerable, absolutely we want to be we want to be talking about this. And so maybe speak a little bit to Muchi, why children in particular all are vulnerable in their own ways, but children are very, very vulnerable. Yeah, it's from womb to birth, in adolescence to adulthood, they're entirely dependent. Mm-hmm. And you start to measure vulnerability not just through dehumanizing activity, but through experiences of dependence. Mm -hmm. And they're entirely dependent. Mm -hmm. And and if I'm entirely dependent on somebody else mm -hmm. to help me experience what I need most, like I'm in a vulnerable position. And so it just feels like the dependency of children, both from a mental capacity kind of like we, what you were talking about um kind of some of the offline conversations not as if their mental faculties are 
less them because they're not whatever, you know, but just the nature of like access to information. They're just, you know, so mental capacity, but then also physical capacity. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Why, why they're easily abused after they're born, mm-hmm. man. And, and so, yeah, so just yeah. their entire life until adulthood mm. is one of dependency. And so children are vulnerable from the womb to birth in adolescence. In adolescence, they, they're often more vulnerable to ideas mm-hmm. than physical aggression. Mm, that's good. Um, into adulthood. I think that uh, attacking children is been is is a historical consistent part of the enemy strategy. And advocating for children is a historical part of the Christian legacy. Mm-hmm. And so maybe mm-hmm. in a moment you can speak to that part, yeah. the historical part. Yeah. But um, I, I even think idolatry in its most it just thinking biblically histo- in the history of the Bible, uh, the most wicked, dark, demonic forms of idolatry led to child sacrifice. Yes, and, and so watch the how watch the course of evil. It wants to prey on the most vulnerable in a society, and it will always come for children. And so, I in my mind. In the same way we link injustice, and we talked about in the previous episode, to a spiritual issue, um, injustice towards children, both unborn and born, is uh, is a deep demonic darkness. And um, the the more voiceless one is, the more we it's de- they are dependent on our advocacy. Yes, and so a child. Is doesn't even have the mental capacity often when they're, if they're young enough to even realize they're being abused or oppressed. How much more in that case an unborn child needs and requires advocacy, and that's been and that's been the his, historical legacy of uh, of those walking in in Christian faith. Yeah, man. I, so the conversation itself has contours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those con- contours is ethics. There's ethical questions, um, ideas associated with this conversation. Um, and I think the Sanctity of Life Day is an opportunity to reflect on what it means to be human, um, how that humanity should be protected and the quality of life should be pursued. And it's a conversation around ethics. And so for me, you know, not as spicy as before, but I just think Christian ethics applied rightly. When I say Christian ethics, I mean ethics that flow out of a a Christian understanding of life Mm -hmm. to see with God's eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Christian ethics applied rightly leads societies into flourishing. Mm. I think they're transformative. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this goes back to the historic piece. So like I think the epistle of Diognetus, mm-hmm. um, and so many people recognize it as like an early apologetic of the veracity, the truthfulness of Christianity, right? It, it, that's a letter in what is it, the second or third century? I think second. Yeah. Okay. We're going to say second. We're going to go, but somebody is going to fact check us. Yes. And it's gonna, go for it. It's going to be great. Know. But there's one portion of the letter that I just wanted to read out if that was cool. Do it. Um, he, he's talking about, uh, Christian's activity 
in society. It says this, as citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as foreigners. Uh, every foreign land is to them as their native country and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. I think that, that kind of speaks to what you're talking about, like their citizenship is being influenced from on high, which allows them to be real citizens in real time to wherever they are. But this, this is the part that becomes ethical for me, right? They marry as do all others. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. That's transformational. It was wild to say that we are going to give intentional energy to protecting our offspring, that their utility is not what warrants them dignity. It's the fact that they're human and made in the image of God. So they beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring. They have a common table, but not a common bed. I love that. Like it's the idea that they share all things in common, the the poor being taken care of, Mm -hmm. but they're not sharing the marriage bed. Right. Um, And so those are transformational sexual ethics as well. And so this is part of our legacy. This transformed a society, (laughs) like how they, how they viewed and then subsequently treated the vulnerable and how they applied their faith ethically shaped the world. Um, And so, yeah, so it it really is our heritage, man. Yeah, in other words, um, just to say it as flatly as possible, in the second, third century, Christians were fighting abortion. They were fighting when- That's a really good one to say. (laughs) They were fighting abortion, and that was a key part of- Fighting baby killing. Yeah, they 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 stood against that. They took they understood the inherent dignity of babies, and they when their culture was uh, practicing infanticide, killing their offspring um, by usually by uh, in many ways, but one of the prominent ones was exposure. They would leave them out mm-hmm. in a field uh, unattended to die, and that still happens in our world today. And some. Um, in some countries, and so Christians would find them and raise them, and they would um, that they would protect these babies, and they were known for that. And so, in the same way, kind of to bring it back together, um, the 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 same legacy of Christ, which is to stand for the vulnerable, leads us to advocate for justice, whether you are a whether you're born or unborn. Um, because that dehumanizing work happens in all different kinds of categories, and we stand by the truth that all men are created, men and women are created in the image of God, and um, and so we advocate for those. And so, what are you looking up? You got something yeah, on your man. mind? I see. You. I, you're I looking do, up something. fam. Like, like so. It's it's Ezekiel 16, man. It's one of my favorite ways of understanding the gospel, and like this is. And when you're talking about just left abandoned, like Ezekiel 16, 6, and when I passed by you, I saw you wallowing in your blood, and I said to you in your blood, live. I said to you in your blood, live. I made you flourish like a plant mm. of the field, and you grew up and became tall and arrived the full adornment. And it's like there was just that sense where you were abandoned. You, wow. you were not wanted, but I, I saw you differently. And and part of that is because- God's saying that to Israel. This is what God was saying to Israel. And, yeah. and so like, it just feels like when we, again, just thinking about the advocacy that matters, because again, some of the, these ideas, these, the right activity has been hijacked <laughs> often 
And it's like, it's not merely like I'm doing the right things, but the, the heart posture, the perspective, how I'm seeing you, what's moving me to action actually matters. And so it's not, it's not merely resisting infanticide, right? Yeah. It is the pursuit of human flourishing. I am pursuing your good. Mm. I am pursuing the good of all people in view of the image of God being made in his image. It's on them. So I'm pursuing it in view of that, but I'm pursuing it in view of the gospel because the ultimate good one could experience is life with God forever. Mm. It's not just natural good. It's eternal good, mm. but I'm pursuing your good in view of both, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so, yeah, so that's, as you're talking, that's where my mind goes, like, Man, like this, it's the perspective that, that transforms our actions and not just the actions themselves. That's incredible. Ezekiel 16, maybe a, a takeaway um, as we're uh, entering into this weekend, Sanctity of Human Life, um, maybe a takeaway is spend some time reading that and realize uh, that is our story yes. of God loving us in that way and then in the same way, we also, I mean, that that's really the gospel heart of compassion is over and over and over. That is what God has done for me. And so that is what then I turn around and do for, for others. So thank you, Moochie. Appreciate this discussion, man, when it comes to justice, um, no matter what a human we're talking about, they're yeah. made in the image of God. We stand against anything that dehumanizes someone and so i uh, hope this has been a helpful podcast uh, series grateful to uh to moochie pastor moochie and the brook and uh i hope this is, you've enjoyed this city rev podcast and we'll see you next time thank you so much for listening to the city rev life podcast feel free to subscribe and leave a rate and review and we love it when you share it with your friends on social media so don't forget to tag us at cityrev.church if you're interested in more resources download our city rev church app and follow us on social media Thank you so much and have a great day.